Welcome to the Payments Podium Podcast, hosted by the payments professor himself, Kevin Olson. This podcast discusses the past, present, and the possibilities of the payments industry. Here's the show. Hey, everybody, it's Kevin Olson, the Payments Professor. I want to welcome you to the Payments Podium, where we take, well, all kinds of experts from the industry to be able to discuss what's happening in the wonderful world of electronic payments. Today, I am honored to have on the podium Lou Coleman. Lou is an old-time friend of mine. We go way back. She's somebody that I go to when I got questions about payments because she's that kind of expert. And today, we're going to be talking about, well, 60 days isn't really 60 days, or is 60 days 60 days. I know it sounds confusing, but don't worry. Lou's here to help straighten us out. Lou, welcome to the Payments Podium. Well, thanks, Kevin. I'm glad to be here. I, I look forward to, to working with you again. Well, uh, you, you say again, because we do have some history. Can we let everybody know a little bit about your past? Because that's one of the things we like to do on the Payments Professor is explain a little bit of the past on the subject and establish well, who the speaker is. So, Lou, w- w- when did you get your career started in electronic banking? Oh, I'm really old, Kevin. So um, I started a long, long, long time ago. Um, I started working at the smallest savings bank in Wisconsin back in 1980, right out of high school. And we actually had five employees. And if one of us got sick, it was a big deal. You know, so we wore a lot of hats there. And then I moved to a medium-sized community bank. And after that, um, I found my home in the electronic payments world as the vice president of the Wisconsin ACH Association or WACHA. And that's where I really got my, my foot in the door. I, I was started doing the ACH audits. I started doing ACH training. Um, that's when I got my um, big tastes of regulation E. That is what we're going to, I think, pretty much talk about today. So after my time at WACHA, I then moved on to Shazam um, about four years ago. I am a senior risk consultant there, and I do ACH audits and BSA exams. Within my department at Shazam, um, we do a whole array of things. I do ACH audits and BSA exams. The rest of my team does IT exams, internal and external penetration testing, and um, a lot of different risk consulting. So our our little group of people um, do a lot of exams out in out in the industry. So that's uh, where I am right now, and. Um, love to talk about regulation e and ach electronic payments okay now i i think that's awesome especially doing the audit aspect and i know when it comes to looking at the returns and the return time frames and return windows well anybody who's ever studied for the aap exam knows that's just not fun there's so many different ones out there and uh, when it comes to aap and knowing not your rules you also have to know regulation e and if we look back in the history of the rules and regulation E, have they always matched up or, or are they really, have they ever matched up? Wasn't there a time where we had to, as the industry say, hold on, let's try and get these two to look at least a little bit alike because it was a problem. Yeah, Kevin, I think um, the NACHA rules over the years have um, made changes. 
to be a little more in line and parallel to, to Regulation E. Um, I know, you know, the stop payments now are parallel. The, the what's up is kind of parallel. Um, and I think that's where our 60-day conversation will come in. But a lot of times um, they do parallel. And many times uh, the ACH rules even protect the consumer more. So the thing that we talk about there is how whichever regulation or rule protects the consumer more, that is the, what we call the trump card. That's mm -hmm. the one that we look for. If the Reg E gives the consumer more protection, that is what we go with. If the ACH rules give more protection, that is what we follow. So, well, that that right there is huge. Anybody out there listening in, you, I hope you caught what Lou just said. Whatever gives the consumer the most protection, that's the rule you go with. And I know I personally saw situations where financial institutions, they went with what they thought was best or might save them money in the past. And that's not, not how it works. Always go with what's going to give the consumer more protection. Um, something right. else that, you know, want to come up, because we know that we've worked to get the rules to line up and the regulations to line up. I do want to also make sure and point out uh, when we talk about these 60 day windows, it is consumers only, right? Yeah, Reg E only applies to uh, consumers. I always, when I st first started in the industry, there's all these regulations and I was very overwhelmed. So Regulation E, how do I remember what Regulation E was? And then I always remembered that it was electronic. And then I remembered consumer protection. So Regulation E is consumer protection for electronic payments. Now, again, only consumers, corporate and businesses are covered under UCC. So again, only consumers are covered by Regulation E. And that has to do with, again, electronic payments, meaning ATMs, debit card, credit card, uh, ACH, uh, consumer wires, EFT, bill pay, things like that. So again, um, consumer protection for electronic payments but not checks <laughs> ah checks. Nope. That, that's an no important checks. one that way you know that makes the world of regulation so much fun some regulations cover some things but not necessarily everything and i think it's interesting too you know uh, we'll have to have a separate discussion one day but regulation e will apply to those faster payment credits that we're talking about too in the industry and buzzing about but let's move on because uh we got together on this 60 days versus 60 days we've said for years 60 days isn't always 60 days can you maybe explain what that problem is and why it's an issue in the industry okay so in the ACH world, maybe I'll just start with the ACH world. Okay, in the ACH world, if the consumer goes to the financial institution and they see an error on their account, they have 60 days from the posting date of that error to for the financial institution to be able to return that entry, no questions asked. Uh, the consumer is to fill out a what we call a what's that, a written statement of unauthorized debit. And the financial and it's 60 days from what date? The posting date of that entry. So wait, wait, posting date? What, what's the posting date? 
You really want me to say settlement date? <laughs> well, oh, oh, well, okay. the date, because the thing is, is these are just general questions that people actually ask. It's like, okay, well, what's this? What's this then? So yeah, I okay. mean, so what, so what's the posting date? The posting date in the ACH verbiage, and that's another thing that we always have problems with is ACH has a language unto itself. So um, ACH, the posting date is what I'm, I'm saying in layman's terms or consumer terms is what we call the settlement date of the entry. So that is the date that the funds settle in the consumer's account or post to the consumer's account. Um, so in ACH, if the consumer goes to the financial institution and says, hey, you know, last Tuesday, this entry posted to my account and I don't know where it's from and I didn't authorize them to take $6,000 out of my account, the financial institution knows at that point um, they need to have that consumer fill out a written statement of unauthorized debit, um, fill it out correctly and accurately, have the consumer say it's correct mm -hmm. and have them sign and date it. Um, so then the financial institution knows they have 60 days from settlement date, no questions asked, they can return that entry unauthorized and give the consumer their funds back. So and they'll get their money back too. That's the no questions asked part because of they're in the time frame. you're gonna get your money right. back. And, and that was right. said, that was it has to be there though, right? I mean, you can't just say, oh, they told me it was, you know, and it was within the time frame. They actually have to have that done, correct? The ACH rules require a written statement of unauthorized debit or that what said to be to be filled out and and completed. And I, I say signed. And now within us, this COVID world, um, a lot of financial institutions have been calling me. Do I really have to have them come into my lobby and sign this form? And I say, no, no. You know, it can be um, signed electronically or any way that you would have them authorize anything else at your financial institution. So um, we have even gone to, if they verify it over the telephone, and that is a way the financial institution would maybe take an address change. However, they authenticate an address change would be acceptable to sign, quote unquote, a written statement of unauthorized debit. So it has to be done. And it can be done COVID friendly is, is the whole thing. Yes, too, right? COVID, I like that COVID friendly. Good. Okay. And now here's the thing too. You, you just said this is only for consumers. If you're within 60 days of the settlement date or posting date, then as long as you fill out a WASUD, it can be sent back and that banker credit union is going to give the consumer back their money. And that banker credit union is going to get their money back too. And I've always looked at the WASUD as kind of like, it's your proof of it happened. It's your get out of jail card for you. It's your get your money back now card in many ways too. But what, what happens if, you know, I'm that lazy consumer. I don't always check my account and I go in and I check my account and it's day 65 and I want my oh, money back. I'm calling and screaming and yelling and saying, Hey, this money shouldn't have come out of my account. And, and you know how it is too. I'm going to blame the bank or credit union because it's their fault for letting the money come out of my account. And I'd be like, I want my money back. Well, what happens then? 
Well, that's another nice thing about ACH. Um, you still would have the consumer fill out that what's on, but the financial institution then um, through some um, checking and looking at a trace number, every entry has a trace number. Mm -hmm. And the first 15 digits of that trace number is what we call the ODFI, uh, the originating financial depository institution, which is the financial institution that sent that entry. So what the RDFI, the receiving financial institution can do is find who the ODFI is, uh, by looking at those first eight digits of the trace number, that is the routing number of the ODFI. They can look at that, contact the ODFI, say, hey, my customer claims this is unauthorized. Um, will you take a late return? And many times the financial, the ODFIs will take that late return and all is good. Then the financial institution just needs to use a different return code to send that back, an R31. So they'd use a different code, but the consumer is still made whole. The financial institution does not have to take a loss for that error. So um, it's a win-win situation. There's mm -hmm. very few mm -hmm. times in ACH where the financial institution would take a loss. That, this is true. If, if depending on time frames, though, again, is all going to be what's so critically important. And just to add to that, looking at the trace number for those of you out there, we don't expect you to memorize the routing numbers. There are some geeks out there that we have memorized some of them because you just see them so often. But if you're trying to figure out what routing number goes to who, you can always contact your payment association. Associations like Shazam that Lou mentioned and works for, they're there to be able to assist you in finding out what's happening. And if there is that dreaded dispute to where they don't want to work with you, then definitely work with your payment association and they can serve kind of like a referee before you have to take them to notch at court or anything like that. All right. <laughs> well, Lou, where does Reg E come in then? I mean, if we, we've been talking the notch of rules and these return codes, well, where does Reg E actually come in and give any protection? Well, this is what I said about um, the which one is the trump card. Many mm -hmm. times the ACH rules are the tr is the trump card when it comes to uh, ACH errors. Um, now, Reg E also has a 60-day time frame. So Reg E says that the consumer should... Um, notify the financial institution within 60 days of the statement date. Mm -hmm. So Reggie says 60 days from statement date, mm -hmm. and which is different from 60 days from the settlement date of the entry. So um, many times uh, the settlement date could go back beyond the statement date or vice versa, depending on when um, the entry posts. So regulation E says the consumer must notify the financial institution within 60 days of the statement. And it also talks about provisional credit. Uh, the the fi uh, financial institution has can or has to do um, investigations, maybe with card errors. Um, this covers debit card, credit cards. So 
with cards, there's that investigation time frame. Um, ten days they have to give provisional credit. Um, so they have a lot more um, hoops that you have to jump through with cards. But again, 60 days versus 60 days um, with ACH, like I said, there is more protections. And even if the entry is beyond that 60 days from statement date with ACH, by being able to contact the ODFI and ask them to accept a late return or prove that it was authorized. That's another piece. Mm -hmm. If the ODFIs don't wanna take the entries back, then the RDFIs can ask for proof of authorization. They can say, okay, if you don't wanna take the entry back that my customer claims or my account holder claims is unauthorized, then send me the proof of authorization. They have 10 days to submit that proof of authorization. And if they cannot do that, they then, um, they warranted it that it was authorized and now they are required to take that entry back. So even if it's two years worth of payments, the financial institution should not ever have to take a loss because the ODFI claimed that those were, or warranted that those were authorized and can't prove authorization. So they are required to take them back in the ACH rules, even if it's beyond that 60 days from statement date. Like I said, the ACH rules are the trump card here, more consumer protection. Okay, but in this case too, what about, because I mean, you hear the term sometimes, people will say, oh, well, I'm making a return outside the ACH rules. I'm making a Reg E claim. So when somebody says, hey, I'm making a Reg E claim, well, how's that done? I mean, what's that really mean that I'm making a Reg E claim in this situation? What does that mean to the person that's being told that? What do they need to do? What does it mean to the person who's saying, hey, I want to make a Reg E claim? What's the process for them to go through? Are we talking ACH or are we talking, well, are we talking ACH or are we talking CARD? Let's stick with ACH because cards, okay, thanks, Reg thanks. E itself can get complicated. Yeah, okay. So um, with Reg E, basically, if you're making a Reg E claim, you're claiming an error, a consumer error. That's all that's to it. It's not a big deal when it comes to ACH. It, it's a Reg E claim is a claiming that there is an error in your account or on your statement that, and you're a consumer and you want to get your money back. It is kind of that simple, right? And if you're basically I, I think saying so. I, I don't know I've that. I've got a federal regulation to protect what I'm my consumer. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's any more complicated than that. I mean, I always tell my friends, you know, that they know I'm in, in the business and they'll say, well, hey, uh, I just found that someone took some money out of my account and, you know, I don't want them to be able to get the money out of my account. I said, well, call your financial institution right away. See if it was via ACH or whether it was via, you know, a card transaction and call them right away. Mm -hmm. Let them know what happened. And Regulation E protects you as a consumer. You will probably get your money back. So, you know, that's the, 
the beauty of RIGI for the consumers. Financial institutions with ACH, as I've said multiple times, you're not gonna be out, you shouldn't take a loss. Um, unlike card, a lot of times with cards, the financial institutions end up eating the losses. And that's nothing I want to get into during this well, podcast. Well, I do want to make a point on that loss, though, because I've got to say, as you know, both of us have had years of where we did the hotline type calls for the payment associations. And again, I'm yep. a big fan of the payment associations. Everybody should be a member of your payment association. And I recommend in your region because it's easier to get with them and they'll know what's going on in your region as well. But I know in many of those calls, when I'm talking to the banks and the credit unions, not consumers, not my friends, I'll tell my friends different, but the banks and the credit unions, I would tell them, or I'd ask them, how much money are we talking about here? And you know, there'd be times if you're like, it's a $25 entry. And I'd be like, just write it off. Just fill out your um, investigation form and write it off and give them the money back. And let's move on with our day because is it worth your time and effort if you're having this much trouble with it. Okay, now Kevin, you're talking card though, correct? I would do it sometimes with ACH too, because it would depend on how far in it they were and where they were and you know working with the other institutions. And I say that because we do know, we're not gonna mention any names here, but there's some financial institutions that are not as much fun to play with because they don't always respond. They're not always easy to get a hold of and they'll fight even sometimes the smallest of transactions. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm just one of those people that won't give up. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what, though, before we get to the end here and I started asking about what could we do to maybe make this process better? um, I don't want to go into it, but I do want to mention Reg E can get super complicated. I know I once dealt with a situation where a gentleman was out of country, so it gave him an extended time frame. He came back into country and then two weeks later was hospitalized and his hospitalization stay gave him some extended time frame. But the time in between arriving back in the country and going to the hospital, he wasn't protected. And I'm just trying to point out that we know the rules can get complicated. We know not every situation is that black and white area that we want to just go, okay, it's this or it's this. So just be aware that if anybody out there is that reggae expert screaming, there's more to it. We know there's more to it. We know how complicated and how much fun it can get. We just wanted to put something together to help you understand how reggae works. The difference between that 60 days settlement date and that 60 days statement date, whole huge world of difference. But Lou, On the payments professor, we also like to look at what does the future look like? What's the possibilities of the future? Can we make this better? Can we find a better way for consumers, a better way for returns, an easier process? Oh, I I have some ideas, but sometimes I don't like to share my ideas because um, sometimes they're not, you know, what everybody else is thinking. But, um, you know, under under Reg E, there is really no requirement for um, specific type of documentation where under the ACH rules, they require the written statement of unauthorized debit. That's one, you know, one difference that a lot of people are, are talking about. Um, there is a, a uh, proposed NACHA rule change coming up that um, changes the length of time that an ACH entry 
um, can be returned as unauthorized. Again, it's just a proposal at this time um, coming out, but um, they're, they're looking at, um, there was a limit and, um, but I was real not in favor of the, the change, the first run through, but they did change it to be compliant with regulation E now. And um, I, I'm now supporting that proposal. So um, again, ACH rules are, are changing, but they are trying to, again, parallel and and give at least the same protection as regulation e just to make it easier on everybody so there are changes coming down the pipeline um so we just have to watch and see um the um cebp they govern regulation e and every once in a while you know they'll come up with something um uh, not a few years ago, quite a while ago, they, they came out with a whole subpart on international quote unquote wires or, or money transfers. And that was a big, big change. So I'm sure there's gonna be other um, e regulation E things coming down, coming down the pipe. Um, I'm kind of curious what's gonna have to happen after elections, who knows? Yeah, you never know there. Uh, one, one, one last question. Do you think faster payments are going to help reduce some of these disputes? Do you think by going to where we have the credit push only systems that it will help to reduce? I mean, I'll, I'll go on the record and say it'll never eliminate them. Never. As long as money's involved. In fact, I tell people that, you know, you want a solid career, no software application can take away from you, work and dispute and error resolution processing because there's just too many ifs, ands, and variables that it takes human interaction and it involves money. So there's always going to be issues of money. Somebody stole that, that wasn't supposed to happen deal. But I do ask if we look at, you know, even though Fed now is a few years down the road, we look at RTP and the, the way it is able to do that credit push real quick. Do you believe that maybe some of these disputes or some of these entries, if they were moved over into that payment channel, they might go down as far as the number that are happening? Um, my short answer, no. <laughs> There's... There's, there's always going to be fraud. Um, I have gotten more calls lately with P2P payments and um, people back, you know, I didn't authorize that. What happened there? You know, so it, it's just going to be different. I don't know that it's going to be less. It just might be different. You know, I, I, but I, again, I don't have the statistics to back that up. That's just the phone calls I get in a week. So, uh, you know, and my, what happens in my geographic area may be very different than what happens on the East coast or the West coast. Uh, I'm, I'm central United States. So what happens in farmland, who knows? So. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. I think it is going to be different. I mean, that's just a fact. We're going to see it. It's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. My hat's off to Nacha because of the fact that we can talk about the rules changes they've made over years to at least work and attempt to keep up with what's happening in the industry. Well, folks, you 
Got to hear from, again, uh, one of my idols, one of the experts I go to, Luann Coleman, when it comes to 60 days versus 60 days and Reggie and Nacha. And Lou, I just want to thank you so much for being on the payments podium. Uh, Any closing comments you want to say to everybody? Uh, I appreciate everybody listening to Kevin and I ramble on here. I have enjoyed this. Um, I will keep listening to Kevin's podcast because I... I listen to him and um, I get a chuckle once in a while and I, he makes payments fun. So, and he and I are on the same page with that. Uh, it's no fun going to work if, if, if you're not laughing. So let's just keep laughing and get through this COVID stuff. And I gotta agree, Lou. I am Kevin Olson, the Payments Professor, and here we create exceptional education that is engaging, entertaining, and fun. Look forward to seeing you, or maybe hearing from you, when it comes to a future podcast. And if you'd like to be on a podcast, or maybe there's a topic you'd like to have be featured on a podcast, or maybe you know somebody who should be on the podcast, then send me an email, kevin at paymentsprofessor.com. And we'll definitely look into that. Appreciate your time. Hope everybody has a wonderful day. Class dismissed. Thank you for listening to the Payments Podium Podcast. Check back every Thursday for a conversation with the Payments Professor. This podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Olson and edited by Sam Sue Smith. See you on Thursday.